For all our great listeners that love this podcast, you will also love our supporter and former guest, Debbie Montgomery Johnson's podcast aired every Thursday morning at 9 a.m. Eastern Time titled Stand Up and Speak Up. Debbie is known as the woman behind the smile, renowned author, speaker, and victim advocate. The show offers a fun and informative time. Listen to people who have been through extraordinary struggles and found the courage to step out from behind their smiles and to speak up about their experiences and the lessons learned. For more information, please go to Debbie's website, thewomanbehindthesmile.com, to obtain the Zoom link for the podcast. Welcome, everyone. It's a wrap with rap. I am your host, Ron Rappaport. This podcast features people who have overcome life's struggles and adversities, people who can inspire, motivate, and educate us on an assortment of topics. My guest today is Kevin Roth. Kevin is a Renaissance man, an internationally known singer, songwriter, pianist, artist, and mountain dulcimer player. His music spans the world with contributions to traditional, original, contemporary, and jazz influences. His career has spanned over three decades. Kevin has won over a dozen awards, including the American Library Association Notable Recordings. Kevin's voice has been heard by millions singing the theme song to the hit PBS TV show, Shining Time Station. Kevin has performed twice at the White House and has made many radio and television appearances throughout the world. In 2016, Kevin received a diagnosis of stage three melanoma and given a few years to live by his doctors. He changed the way he thought, ate, and created a life that was purpose-driven and fun. Kevin now coaches professionals such as clergy, doctors, psychologists, and others how to discover, create, and live their own purpose-driven life with practical advice that works. Welcome, Kevin, to the podcast. Well, thanks for having me. I'm honored to be on your show. Well, we're so glad to have you, Kevin. Let's start at the beginning. Tell us about your early years growing up and your musical ability. Well, I was born in Philadelphia, and I showed a musical talent on the piano playing by ear at a very early age. Uh, I fell in love with the music of Peter, Paul, and Mary around the age of eight. Love them, love them. Yeah, precisely, actually, the look and the sound of Mary. <laughs> yeah. And uh, when I was 13, by uh, fate, I came across an instrument called the Mountain Dulcimer, fell in love with it, knew that it was going to be my magic carpet ride. And at 15, 16, I got my first record deal with Folkway Records, which are now part of the Smithsonian. Wow. Now, for those not familiar with the dulcimer, uh, tell us about the instrument. And again, tell us why you were attracted to it and your love for it. Mm. So the, the mountain dulcimer, there are two types of dulcimers. One's a hammer dulcimer played with hammers, little wooden hammers. They're in the shape of a trapezoid. 
and it's the forerunner of the piano. If you think of the, the piano with the little hammers that hit the strings. I play the mountain dulcimer, which is a traditional American folk instrument that's a relative of fretted zithers. And it's very pretty. It's very, uh, sounds between a, a harp and a guitar. And usually played traditionally uh, in the way that you would hear people from the Appalachian Mountains play it. I am known as a contemporary innovator of the instrument. And uh, you can hear everyone from me to Joni Mitchell to the Rolling Stones playing the dulcimer. It's a lovely wow. instrument. Yeah. Now, your career spans three decades. Uh, can you give us an overview, please, of some of your favorite musical accomplishments and some of your favorite people that you worked with? Well, you know, I, I always wanted to be rich and famous because I thought it would make me happy. So that involved for a musician getting a major record deal, getting a publishing deal, getting a TV show, having concerts, making over a million bucks. So I did all that. It didn't bring me happiness, but I did accomplish it. <laughs> I think one of the highlights of my career when, is when I got to solo while at a Peter, Paul and Mary concert with Mary sitting at my feet uh, listening. I have a picture of it um, that someone actually took. And that was the highlight. Since I grew up on Peter, Paul, and Mary, they'd become very close friends of mine. And that was a big musical accomplishment. Uh, just making it in the music business <laughs> is a major musical accomplishment, especially with a dulcimer. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But but you said it, all that all that fame, uh, fortune, it, it didn't bring you happiness, though. So, no, no, it didn't. It brought me moments of happiness. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, as I, you know, I'm, I'm just finishing up the details on a book, my first book called Between the Notes, a practical way of finding your inner groove in life so you can dance to what makes your heart sing. Right. It, you know, it's, uh, you want your heart to sing and you want to dance to something that you're happy to in life, meaning your purpose. Uh, but these things are very fleeting, like fame. So I thought that money and love and success would bring me happiness uh, in the true sense. And it didn't. Uh, I learned what did after my diagnosis with melanoma. But uh, I, you know, I'm proud that I accomplished what I accomplished. You know, I mean, it's yeah, a lot. Sure. I've had a lot of luck uh, and I've made a lot of fans and that ain't all that bad. Right. No, Absolutely. Now, this podcast features people overcoming life's adversities and challenges. So along comes 2016, and you receive a stage three melanoma diagnosis. Now, I know a little bit about that because I'm on my second diagnosis of male breast cancer, so I can relate to what, what you were going through. But how did you react to it, and how did it change your life? Strangely enough, I've had what they call out-of-body experiences uh, mm. since I was a young kid. Uh, how you describe something like that, the, the way I best describe it is I kind of feel like I'm on parallel universes at the same time. And I see sort of a vision, almost like a preview of a movie. And I had seen this a year before I actually was diagnosed. It came to me that I would have a major illness. 
I would be okay, but it would be a, a rough time. So I moved from Florida to Kansas uh, during a very stressful time in my life. Uh, and you know, as you know, and many of your listeners know that the two of the leading causes of cancer are stress and inflammation. Yep. Yeah, definitely. So uh, I was a good 30 pounds overweight at the time because I was an emotional leader and I was stressed out to the max. My dad had died recently. My nine-year relationship ended and a small business I started almost bankrupted me. So I left Florida and I went to Kansas and I just on a routine dermatology appointment. This guy said, uh, I want to take a scraping of this little thing on your nose. And within a month, really within two months, actually, uh, because it was misdiagnosed, I got a call from an oncologist that said, uh, actually not an oncologist, he was an ENT doctor because they'd done a biopsy and they removed a lymph node. Um, and he said, you need to see an oncologist immediately. So the first thing that came to me was, uh-oh, there's the OBE coming true. Uh, and the second thing was fear. Yeah. Because as you know, cancer is something that you feel you that has control of you that you don't have control of, which isn't necessarily true. Right. But I was one of those guys that you know was healthy. Cancer would never happen to me. I didn't smoke and all this kind of stuff. Um, so it freaked me out, but it also provided me with what I call a spiritual kick in the ass, because when they diagnosed it as stage three, they did these scans to see where else in my body it had gone and it hadn't spread anywhere. But they said that there was a 70% chance that it would come back within a year and I'd be dead within two to three. So I was basically handed a death sentence because for my kind of melanoma, there's no cure. You can't do chemo or radiation. Okay. So I, it forced me to say, if I only have a few years left, which I didn't believe because I'd had many OB experiences and they were never wrong. So I trusted my gut on that, but I thought you're going to have to change the way you think and the way you eat and the way you live. So you need to know, A, what matters, B, why it matters to you, and C, what are you going to do about it, and put it into action. Right, right, Ab absolutely. Uh, what was the spark uh, that, ca that caused you to get into uh, to life coaching in that life coaching field? What was the spark to that, that did that? Well, I, a friend had asked me, you know, what was I going to do? And I said, I don't know. I'm going to probably make another album. And he said, why don't you teach people what you did to survive uh, your life? <laughs> Basically, yeah. uh, how you went from a near death sentence to moving to San Diego, uh, hardly being able to afford it, how you created this new story in your head and you walked into it and worked it and it made it happen. So, so 2016, you get the diagnosis, and after 2016, when did you go and get into the life coaching? Well, the diagnosis came in 2015. I moved to San Diego in 2016. So it was late around 2017, 18, I began to think about it. Okay. Because when I Googled what a life coach was, 
I didn't like it. I, I, I didn't, <laughs> it's like, no, <laughs> I'm not a life coach. Uh, and it took me a while to get, um, uh, an idea for it. But what really sold me on it is I said, well, you know, if I do life coach, I can't do music. And he said, no, 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 no. He said, you need to do your dulcimer music because the way you play is like dulcimer meditation. And then the light bulb went off and I thought, oh. So I went on Facebook to all the dulcimer groups that I knew and they all know me, you know, because I'm known in the dulcimer world. And I said, hey, if you're feeling stressed or stuck, and you want to um, use the dulcimer to chill out and feel, you know, balanced, let me know. So this was just at the beginning of COVID. Okay. So everybody was stressed out. So I got one or two people to sign up, but I didn't know if I was any good at being a coach. So the test was, if I taught them what I knew and what I still do daily, would it work for them? Because they didn't come to me with cancer issues. The first couple of clients came to me with um, feeling stuck and also anger issues. And their lives changed very quickly. And I thought, wow, I really love this. I really love this. And uh, I am incredibly blessed that this is a talent I had no idea I had. Right. You're changing lives. It's amazing. You know, uh, you know, cancer will knock your ego right flat. Yeah. Yeah. A performer, we like our standing ovations, uh, but it's a whole different experience when a client that you just finished working with at the end of that time period has tears in her eyes and she's thanking you for really switching her around. It's, it's an amazing thing, you know? Yeah. You, you, you can't put a money value on something like that. It's just, no, no, it, it, ma- it makes you feel so great. I mean, it's, yeah, it, it's, it's amazing. Uh, you talk about mindful awareness. Tell us, mindful tell us what that, what, is, what does that mean? <laughs> mindful awareness is a term that I came up with uh, for myself, along with acronyms for faith and fear, which I'll tell you about. But mindful awareness is being aware of how you are feeling. So if your phone rings and it's uh, your credit card company and you are aware that your blood pressure is going up and you don't want to talk to these people, don't answer the phone don't step in it that's what i call it it's shit you can call them back they'll be after you but when you do that you take control and you take your power back and that's what's important that's what you learn when you're mindful you say i'm feeling this way about something mindful awareness with cancer i saw four oncologists three I would take their license away immediately. The, 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 um, all the prognosis was the same, but they wanted to, to do things to me like wanted to remove my, my lymph nodes. I said, why? If there's no signs of cancer. And one of them said, well, it's, it's, it's in there microscopically and it's protocol. I said, my name is in protocol. And unless you can show me cancer, you're not taking lymph nodes. What are you nuts? But 
this is what she did. I'm sure she's a fine doctor, but for me, man, you know, uh-uh. So my mindful awareness is trusting my gut. And my gut is never wrong. And my gut said, no, 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 don't do that. You get in with the doctor who is not taking new patients. I, there was a doctor in Kansas I just wanted to be with. It was just, just from his picture, I said, this is my God. And he was the only doctor that said, do nothing. Let's wait and see. So that's what mindful awareness is, is being aware of how you feel and how you react to things uh, so that you have more control over your life. Okay, I would like to break away for a moment to tell you about a great course our podcast supporter, Doug No has developed, titled Developing Emotional Competency and Advanced Emotional Competency, sold as one combined item. Doug is an award-winning author, speaker, 22-year veteran trial lawyer, adjunct professor of law, peacemaker, and mediator. Doug co-founded the award-winning Prison of Peace Project, in which he taught murderers and other violent criminals in maximum security prisons to be mediators and peacemakers with positive results. This course will teach you the nature of emotions, the abuse caused by emotional invalidation, and a powerful counterintuitive skill called affect labeling. When you complete the course and practice the skills learned, you will experience a profound transformation in your life. Who is the course for? Smart, ambitious, goal-oriented, get the job done, and pride in doing a good job people. But you are about to be verbally assaulted in a public space by your boss and you freeze. Someone on your team is being a jerk in a meeting and you don't know how to handle the situation. You can't get a word in edgewise with your boss or colleagues. You are not assertive enough or overly assertive and called nasty names. You work with an annoying person that just infuriates you. Your customers are angry and hostile at every turn. Work and personal situations can leave you emotionally drained. You might think something is wrong with you. After all, you are smart. You're educated. You earned your position through hard work. So why are you struggling with emotions? You should have mastered all this by now, right? Wrong. You have been disconnected from your emotions by your upbringing and training. You have been taught to suppress your emotions. They feel like enemies. Consequently, you haven't learned the skills necessary to be emotionally self-aware. This is why you don't always know how to manage your feelings. You were never taught emotional self-regulation other than to shove your emotions down where they couldn't be seen or felt. You are not alone. Everyone suffers from the same difficulties. This course will teach you step-by-step how to handle emotions in any situation. It is a set of techniques that will teach you to effectively respond to challenging interactions, create a new set of reactions to anger and hostility, to learn the power of emotional self-regulation and social power. You will use your emotions to get ahead in life, become a more powerful and confident leader, unlock the secrets of self-empowerment, become an emotionally self-aware human being, and enjoy greater freedom from emotional exhaustion. This is the first course that teaches emotional self-awareness. The combined course, which includes the basic and advanced course consisting of 23 lessons, sells regularly for $378. For our podcast listeners, by using the link provided in the podcast notes and using the code RONRAP when you enroll in the course, you will get a discount of $100 off the combined course, bringing the cost down to $278. That's about $12 a lesson. The course is backed by a 30-day money-back guarantee. If for any reason this course does not exceed your expectation, you can get a full refund anytime within 30 days after your purchase. 
If you have any issues, just get in touch with the friendly support team and they'll either help you out until you get the results you need or give you a swift refund. Again, all ordering information will be listed in the podcast notes and also uh, the course may be ordered on the podcast website. It's a wrapwithwrap.com under the tab marked resources. And I have to agree with you on the gut feeling. Uh, that definitely is true. I've had that, and I'm sure everybody out there has had the same experience. You have to go with your gut. It, you know, when you have something like cancer or any major event happen into your life, you are thrown into fear. Yeah. And you're going to an expert doctor or somebody that says, okay, you're going to do this, this, and this, and that will be the best thing. And if you're really freaked out, you go with it because, you know, you don't know what to do. Um, I have a double A personality. I don't like to be told what to do by anybody. You know, that's how I've made it in the music business, one of the toughest business in the world. So I have no fear in looking at an oncologist and saying, you're out of your mind. They don't like to hear that. Oh, they don't like to hear that. You know, because cancer is a big business. It's a big business. Not that these guys aren't out to help you because they are. Right. But to tell somebody what to do with their body within a seven minute thing, because they got to get through the thing for the, the billing process. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. My opinion. Uh, Is life real or just an illusion? What's your thoughts on that? No, you want to open up that can of worms. (laughs) Oh yeah. (laughs) Okay. So life is really an illusion. So how do you know that? Well, first of all, if you look at the ancient scriptures, they will tell you that. If you follow Buddha, he'll tell you that. If you follow Jesus, you know, um, be in this world, but not of this world. You know, all of these things, no matter who you go to, especially the Hindus, they'll tell you that life is an illusion. So let's say that's woo-woo. Now let's look at science. Science says that the universe is expanding, but into what? Everyone says, well, you know, it's your mind that's causing you problems. It's your ego. So get the greatest brain surgeon in the world, and he can dissect a brain. And we'll never find something called a mind. You can't hold a mind. There's nothing physical called a mind. So what is it? It's consciousness. What's that? Undefined. It's just not definable. We are supposedly on a planet that's spinning at a thousand miles an hour in the middle of nothing infinity that's a fact right right but what we get caught up in which causes us illness is the credit card bill uh the the this the that that's what causes the insanity which affects our system so yes life is sort of an illusion but we do still have this experience of a dream life it's like going to a movie right you've got the screen and then let's say a movie like the, um, the Titanic comes on and you get all caught up in the film, right? You feel the boat going down, you feel the chilly water, you start to cry when the lovers are leaving each other and drowning. You're caught up in the drama. The reality is it's just a film. When it's over, there's nothing but a blank screen. So to me, God or consciousness or the substratum is the screen and what we're in is the movie. So you, if you, what I, what I teach my clients is how to live with one foot in both worlds. So if you know how to 
live the dream where you say, you know what? I'm not getting stressed out. I'm not going to worry about this. I'm not going to do this stuff because it doesn't work because you've learned about mindful awareness. The chances of you keeping illness and unhappiness at bay is, is much larger. Plus it's fascinating. I mean, quantum physics. So yeah. science now is agreeing with spirituality. They've got conferences around the world that are saying this is what it is. But we as a society get caught up on the shenanigans of what's going on on the planet and things are much bigger. If you watch any near-death experience on YouTube, and there are hundreds of thousands of people that have had these, doctors have had these, psychiatrists have had these, I mean, you know, not just nutty people. They've had near-death experience. They will tell you that when they've temporarily died, they have gone to this thing called home. They feel an absolute loving presence. They feel just wonderful besides any kind of description. And then they come back and they have no fear of death. My theory is that when you're born, you're born with that awareness of that connection, that longing. And we take that longing through life, but we don't realize it because we develop egos. So we want that love. We want that acceptance. We want that bliss. So we buy things. We buy homes. We buy cars. We buy fame. We buy this. And all of that is to numb out or to feel temporarily happy in our lives. Because what we don't realize is that we want that longing. But here's the deal. It hasn't gone anywhere. You got it. It's already there. It's already in you. And you just need to recognize it. It's it's fascinating. It really is fascinating. Yeah, yeah. It, that, that's a great way of, of putting it. Kev, Kevin, what types of people seek your coaching? What kind of people uh, come to you? I get all kinds of people. Um, I have doctors. I've had clergy. I've had some psychologists, uh, professional. I've had housewives. You know, when they contact me, they've either seen me or heard me on a podcast or a video somewhere or, or word of mouth. And there's a, a free kind of session, like a 30 minute get to know each other. And I'm very selective who I work with um, because they're not just clients to me. They come, they become family. Yeah. And I want to be sure that the energy is right. So not everyone who uh, interviews with me uh, either, I mean, some people don't think I'm their coach and some people, I think I, I don't want to be their coach. Right. So, uh, but it's all, it's all over the place. What I've noticed is, uh, whoever is meant to be, become a client is becomes a client. <laughs> yeah. This, this might be redundant, but how did you develop your philosophy about life and life coaching other people? A large part because of the cancer. Because when you're given a death sentence, you have nothing left to lose. Right. So instead of putting up with stress and feeling stuck and unhappy and crazy, why? So I just said, I'm going to go to California and live like a bohemian. I'm a painter. It's my painting behind me and a musician. And I'm just going to, you know, do my thing. And if I die, I die. And if I live, I live. I didn't die. The cancer never came back. And I didn't want to give up what I had because it was so far 
superior and more fun than the life I was living. The thing about coaching for me is that it is who I am. I don't teach something that I haven't experienced. So when I talk to clients, I'm reaffirming not just for them, but for myself, what has worked. And so that's the joy of it. That's the fun of it. Now, uh, just curious, your cancer uh, that you had, the melanoma, how, how was it treated? Did was well, it... There, I had Mohs surgery. Um, okay. They, they thought that the little spot on my nose was, was in situ and it was misdiagnosed. So okay. that first lesson, you know, double, triple check, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> those things. Right. Then a couple months later, I found a lump under my chin when I was shaving. Okay. So, um, but you see, I knew all along from my out-of-body experiences that I would get through all of this and that I would probably end up in California. I knew I'd end up as a teacher somehow or another. Um, it, this is all in my book in, in more detail, but I just didn't think I was going to die, you know? And my, a lot of my attitude, I think, helped heal me. And my attitude was, no, I'm changing channels. Yeah. I don't want to do this. I know a couple of people that have done it. I knew a woman that was told she had two months to live, stage four melanoma. And she went and meditated and, and changed what she ate. And, I mean, she's alive today, 21 years later. Prudence Sinclair, she teaches, she helps people who have cancer. She has a program for that. And uh, I know another guy who had some other kind of cancer and uh, he just said, no, I'm not going to die. Mindset. It's mindset has a lot to do with it. But yeah. in the end, um, you know, everyone has their time. And my feeling is that when I, when I leave the planet, so to speak, I'm not gone anywhere anyway, because I'm, <laughs> I'm the same thing that uh, created me in, in a sense. You know, where can I go? Yeah. Now, getting back to happiness, uh, what does true happiness mean and why? Well, for me, true happiness is um, understanding what your passion is and living it. That's why I was, I uh, subtitled the book, um, Practical Ways, okay, Things That Work to find your inner groove, which is what you really love to do, who you are in life, and how to dance so that your heart sings, so that love what you do, do what you love, okay? And, and people yeah. feel stuck. They say, yeah, but I have a house. I've got a mortgage. I've got that. Well, do you need a four-bedroom house? Do you need a big car like that? You know, I live in a one-bedroom apartment. I'm a minimalist. I'm, I'm having a blast. You know, so that's number one. Number two, you have to understand that fear is false evidence appearing real. F-E-A-R, false evidence appearing real. Okay. Faith, my acronym for faith, is finding, or actually rather following, an intuition that helps. Trust your gut. If you ask inside, if you can turn your mind down enough to listen to your inner voice, you'll, you'll be told. What, what to do, that, that that's the correct thing. Now, for those who out there who feel stuck and want to change their life situation, how do you recommend they go about doing it? Well, the first thing I ask a client is, what don't you want? Okay. And then we get into what do they want? 
And then we understand why do you want that? Because if you want to lose weight, that's not in the form of a pill. You're going to have to understand that what you're eating only. You need, you're going to need to understand what's eating you. And that's a commitment. So you've got to really have a very strong why. And you also need a lot of empathy. You know, cancer taught me to really love myself. I became my own best friend. I was so caught up in my, in my career and the dollar signs in my bank account. I had a lot of zeros at one point, but I had a big zero in my heart. So kindness, patience, and being empathetic with yourself is, is a big thing for changing your game. I also believe that there's a time where self-help books are helpful. Uh, therapy is helpful uh, and coaches are helpful, but you have to be ready to change. You have to be re- You've got to either hit a bottom or say, you know what? I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. Right. I'm done with this thinking, thinking and uh, seek somebody either professionally that can help you go through it or, or which would be like a, maybe a therapist if you need one or a life coach. You want to pick someone that you resonate with who gets you. Right. You can't do it alone. It's tough to do it alone. You know, there's, uh, I don't recommend it. I mean, to be honest with you, I mean, I've, I, <laughs> I had a friend who once said that he was going to write a self-help book on how to stop buying self-help books because I had so many of them. There, it's, it's a good intention. You try, but then you, <laughs> out, you know, because you don't, but see what a coach does is they're your champion. They hold you accountable. So when you say you're not going to argue with your spouse and you do, the next week you can talk to your coach about it and the coach will know how to make you think about why that happened so that you get it so that it doesn't really happen as much or as often or at all again. A self-help book is just kind of a, a blueprint. You know, it's like, In my book, I say, you know, there's like in The Wizard of Oz, for instance, I write about this in one of my chapters. At the end, when Dorothy was ready to go home, Glenda the Good Witch says to Dorothy, you know, you've had the power all along. Well, she knew she had the brains and the heart and the courage, right? The Tin Man and the Cowardly Lion and Scarecrow. But she understood it, but she didn't know it until the end. Then she got it. So there's a difference between understanding it in a book and knowing it. When right. you know something, you move on it. Self-help books are pointers and a guide. Uh, a coach uh, like myself moves you forward in the, in the right direction. Kevin, you've talked about silence being important. Mm-hmm. Can you explain that? Yeah, silence is huge. Uh, If you, you know, we have this thing which I call the monkey mind and uh, it's the rattling of your brain. So I I have a client uh, when she first started to work with me who worried about the same things all week long. What was going to go on on the weekend? That was her big thing. She had to get a birthday party for her kids. She needed to do that, da, 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 da. And I said, you know, if you actually sat down and just wrote a small list, you'd get it all done in about two hours and you could have the whole rest of the week free. But in order to get that list, you need to sit down, breathe, 
uh, do the, I teach an exercise. It's a call. I call it a stress buster. It takes you like three minutes. In fact, it's free on my website, kevinroth.org. You can go there and learn it. Um, and it just quiets your mind long enough so that you can hear your inner voice that will guide you. And that's what it's really all about. Okay. Now you talk about riding the surfboard of life. Mm-hmm. How do you stay in balance with life's waves? Well, um, how, how I do it is the balance is emotional, mental, physical, and spiritual. So you, when one part is um, out of balance, like, like emotions, there's something you can do physically. So for instance, today I was uh, very tired earlier in the day and I knew it wasn't from a lack of sleep. I knew it was probably something going on in my brain. So I went out for a hike and uh, the hike really cleared um, that part of me. It it helped me bring into balance um, the things that are out of balance. So there are different things that that you can do. Uh, Emotionally, if you're upset, you can think about it mentally, okay? Uh, You can read something spiritual, you can exercise. Um, There's lots of different things that you can do to bring things into balance. Because when, when life is out of balance, you're out of balance. And right. again, balance is emotional, mental, physical, and spiritual. So what, one of the things I do as a coach is I teach people, which is part of being in this world, how to stay in balance. Mindful yes. awareness will tell you I'm out of balance. A lot of people don't even know they're out of balance. Yeah, you know, they're, they're on their cell phones and, and computers all day long. They don't even know that they're tired. Right. Yeah, that's true. Now, you have used the term new rich. What does that mean? Well, uh, you know, what is wealth? So, you know, all the money in the world didn't buy Steve Jobs out of cancer. Right. So what is wealth? To me, wealth is your health. If you got your health, you got your first couple million. If you are happy, if you know how to enjoy your life, how to not be stressed out, how to stay in balance, that's wealth. You know, that's a lot. You know, in, um, there's a story I write about in the, in, in the book where I was watching one day these two Mexican immigrant workers here in San Diego, they were at a taco stand and they were eating tacos and they were drinking beer and they were laughing like they had just won the lottery. But they didn't look like they had a lot of money. I mean, you know, and... On the other side of the taco stand was a guy in a business suit and he was on the phone and I, and he was arguing with somebody about money, but he had the sauce, the Tabasco sauce running down the side of his arm. And I thought, you know, it looks like blood, you know? And I was thinking, here's a guy who's got to have, God knows how much more money than these immigrant workers. And he's stressed and, you know, he's not happy. So who's right. wealthier in that moment? Sure. It's not that you, you, I mean, being broke doesn't make you happy, but you need to know what true wealth is. And that is living your life on purpose. I, I call it, that's why I call the, the, the book Between the Notes. You know, Between the Notes means it's not just the music, but it's the space between the notes that makes it music, which is the inner awareness, the mindful uh, mindful awareness. Can you kind of tell us uh, some of the things you provide to your clients? 
Well, we start off with a cocktail. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Sign me up. <laughs> I provide, I think the biggest thing I provide my clients is I have an innate ability to do deep listening. So I love Zoom meetings because I not just hear people, but I can look kind of into them and see what's really going on. Yeah. Um, I provide, uh, I guess, my clients honesty. But I think the biggest thing I supply them is truth and experience. Because, you know, I didn't take a course in how to be a life coach, although they have them. Uh, I went to the School of Hard Knocks. I survived cancer, I believe, and I changed my life drastically by doing what I do. And that's what I teach. So that's a big thing yeah. to, to provide someone, I think. Very authentic. Yeah. Very authentic, yeah. What excites you about your coaching work? And can you briefly tell us a few success stories arising from it? Well, I love what I do. Uh, so that's exciting. Um, I'm always curious who ends up as a new client uh, because I think that we're meant to be together. I also think about my clients throughout the week. So it's not like if you're booked with me Thursday from 10 to 11, I don't think about you till 10 minutes before and review my notes. You're, you're with me, which is why I only work with, uh, you know, six or eight clients at, at a time. Um, well, I think one of the wonderful, I mean, I, there, I have a lot of success stories, thankfully, because... <laughs> I don't, I don't let them go until they've uh, accomplished what they've come to me for. I think one of my favorite, I'll tell you too, one of my favorites was a woman. You know, I have a lot of confidentiality, uh, so I don't talk a lot in detail about people. But this sure. particular woman had um, lost her husband. And she had a bunch of guilt around it for a long time. And we worked through that and I was able to have her uh, do certain things that resolved that feeling of guilt. So after so many years, she was in a sense left out of her own, let, let out of her own prison. Uh, and at the end of our session, the, our last session together, you know, she was in tears of joy, of thankfulness. So that's, that's one of the things I really like. Um, and, and I think another one is that I had a doctor come to me uh, and she was getting ready to have major um, surgery. Yeah. Um, and I, I helped her through that. I also created music, which sometimes I do for people on the dulcimer. And not only, uh, thankfully, she made it through uh, quite an ordeal, um, but now she's referring clients, uh, patients of hers to me. So that's a happy ending. That's a happy ending, definitely. So we we've, we've become good friends, and uh, that those are two of them. I mean, I, I I guess I have a bunch of them, but that that's two. Okay. Uh, Kevin, any new things uh, in the works? Uh, music, uh, writing. What's what's coming up? I know you got something in the works. Yeah, yeah. Well, this fall, I'm excited because my book is going to come out, and at the end of each chapter is a song. They're lyrics. So when you buy the book, uh, you can go and download the song. So it's like an album and a, and a, 
and a book. It's called Between the Notes. It'll be available on Amazon and all these Kindles and all these other things. And I love the book because it's about, a little bit about my career, but it's mostly about teaching people what I do as a coach, which are, like I said earlier, the practical ways of finding your inner group, who you are authentically, who do you want to be, um, and dance to what makes your heart sing. Most of my clients, uh, many of them have been women, they've raised families, they've had careers, uh, and they've forgotten who they were along the way. You know, and they're empty, you know, and, and they, they want to know, you know, how do I get myself back? So when you're doing, when you're living a purpose-driven life, you're living a full life, you're creating a life you love. The thing is we have a choice and most people don't realize it because they say I've got bills, I've got stress, there's the war, there's the politics, there's all that kind of stuff. You can get rid of that crap in a minute. Boom. Don't watch the news. Don't live in that expensive mortgage. You don't need to. You know, one of the things about money, people come to me with money issues, that if you know how to make it and work it for you, instead of against you, there's a whole freedom there. I don't, I don't hardly have any credit card debt at all. I was at one time, I was 80,000 bucks in debt. Uh, I don't buy a lot of stuff because I don't need a lot of stuff. I bought a lot of stuff to fill in that emptiness, that hole in the soul until I realized that it was this spiritual longing that I wanted and then understood how to find it and live with it because I can't really live without it, that I didn't need anything or I needed very little. I'm, I'm, I'm a pretty content guy, you know, riding the surfboard, uh, which is what I talk about in the book. And I think you, you mentioned it is learning to ride the waves in life. You know, we have stuff come at us. There's no way around it, you know, yeah, yeah. how you handle it is, uh, is a whole nother thing. You can handle it smart. You can handle it, you know, tough. Do you want to be right or do you want to be happy? You know, right, so right. that's where mindful awareness comes in. And once you, the trick is when you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. And when you replace what doesn't work in your life with what does, you don't ever go back to what doesn't work. Why would you? Yeah. Hey, this works better. This feels, you know, I mean, like if you find a doctor, if you interviewed a couple doctors and one doctor says, you know what, I'm going to put you on this medication, but I'm going to give you this thing with it so that you feel fairly normal. You're not nauseous. You're not. And it works. You're not going to go back to the old protocol you had, which made you sick to your stomach and ill. Why would you? Right. So we have that choice. And those right decisions are out there. If we can eliminate fear, bring on faith and trust our gut. And that's the joy of what I teach. At least I try to teach it. Kevin, how can people contact you and, and learn about all that you offer? How can, how can they get a hold of you? Just if you go to my website, kevinroth.org, you can send me uh, an email or there's a form that you can fill out about if you want coaching, you know, what you want to get out of it. And there's a short questionnaire and or you can give me your contact information. And if I read through it and I think that we're a match, I, I send you an email and we set up a Zoom 
um, free a consultation. And, you know, if I'm not the right guy for you, I know friends that are good coaches and I can, you know, send you there. Um, so that's, that's the way to do it. That's the best way is, is kevinroth.org. Okay. Uh, for those out there, kevinroth.org. And we'll put that in the podcast notes. Uh, Kevin, for those out there struggling, any last words of wisdom for them? Yeah, you don't have to. Um, if you have, uh, if you're really depressed, there's free help. There are hotlines. If you have an alcohol or an addiction problem, they've got 12-step programs. They're wonderful. They're wonderful. I mean, I don't have a drinking problem, but I, I you know, I know that they're wonderful. Um, if you can afford coaches, they're there. There are therapists and doctors through insurance program. You don't have to suffer. You don't need to. Help is often free and often available. And you just take the step and reach out. You got to have hope because uh, without it, you know, what good is it? You know, right. You know, the beginning of my book, I talk about that at every, most people, they have this abyss they fall into a dark night of the soul where they think they're never going to come out of it, but they do. And you can crawl out of it smart or you can linger in the darkness. It's up to you. Um, so that's my advice is you don't need to suffer. And people are wonderful. You know, I, I had no idea how kind people were until I had cancer. I was an arrogant son of a bitch. I mean, I'll admit it. I had an ego on a scale of one to 10, about a 20. You know, I still got a little bit of one. I couldn't believe that these nurses cared more about me than I cared. I, I, I couldn't, I thought, why are they taking so much time with me? You know, why are they explaining this to me? I called one nurse once and I was going to sign up for some sort of treatment this guy wanted me to have, which was lethal. And I was scheduling with her and I said, you know, I don't, I don't feel good about this. And she said, then don't do it. If you don't feel good about it, Kevin, don't do it. I didn't know her from Adam. And I hung up the phone and I thought, how can this person have more empathy for me than I have for myself? And that's when I found out that I could have a lot of empathy for myself and I could be kind to myself. You know, I call it, there was Kevin, the arrogant Kevin, and then there's Kevin from heaven, the guy who says, don't worry, buddy, we'll get through this. Yeah. And I do. And, I, and you know, I, I, I'm... Uh, that's that's why I love to coach people. Well, I always say, you know, people say, well, why me? And I said, don't, don't ask why me. Why did this happen to me? Ask, why did this happen for me? Yeah. Look yeah. at it that way. You know, I mean, yeah. I, I'm like you. I, I, I have the cancer, too. And it's just amazing how many people come out of the woodwork, people you don't even know that well, that empathize with you, want to help you. Uh, like you said, the nurses, that type of thing. It's just amazing. Yeah, you know, I'll tell, I'll tell you something else that I just learned this week. A, a cousin of mine said to me, well, you know, I mean, you have cancer. So, and I said, no, 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 I don't have cancer. The cancer hasn't come back in five, six years. I don't have cancer. Yeah, but you had it. Well, that's had. Right. If you're in remission for one day, you don't have cancer. Right. Don't get into this mindset. I'm, I, I did it. I'm sick. Poor Kevin. Poor the, oh, I'm going to, oh, 
nothing's in my control. I just said, you know what? I don't live like, if I only have two years left to live, I'm going to California, uh, Southern California, watching surfers, smoking some, I don't smoke weed really, but smoke some weed and have a good time. I'm not going to do this crap. This, <laughs> this, I used to look up uh, melanoma stuff on the internet and it scared the shit out of me. Yeah. Look at these people. And, but and then I thought, but that's not you. I didn't feel sick a day in my life. I didn't even know I had it until a dermatologist told me. And then when I had that MRI and the CAT scan done and the doctor threw the scans up there and she said, uh, well, there's no signs that it spread. So we're going to take out your lymph nodes. That's when I went, huh? <laughs> what? <laughs> Why? Yeah. Well, so, I wasn't as lucky as you because uh, the second time around, they were in my lymph nodes. Mm-hmm. So unfortunately, I had to get them out. But uh, if but you look, you're, you're, if you yeah, look but at my arm, lymphedema. But you're uh, recovering, right? I'm recovering. I went through the chemo. I've got the radiation to go through. Okay. They, 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 you know, the first time they didn't do it, they, they didn't think I needed it. I had a very low... Uh, the tumor had a very low score. So the mm. recurrence rate was very low, mm. but you know, it happens. Uh, it, it came back and this time they're being, you know, they're going to be make sure that they get, they get everything. But you've learned a lot along the way, right? Learned a lot, met a lot of great people, people I've never, I wouldn't even be doing this podcast if it wasn't for cancer, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I started out uh, actually uh, I do a lot of advocacy work for the male breast, male breast cancer. We just rebranded happens.org uh, for people out there. And I said to uh, the people in charge, hey, let's, let's, let's get on podcasts where guys never heard of male breast cancer because it's out there. And uh, then one day somebody said, why don't you uh, start a podcast of your own? And I said, come on. Uh, I don't know anything about podcasting. Anyway, I thought about it and I said, you know what? Just like you said, you know, the mindset. Uh, yeah, well, why don't we go for it? I bought a, uh, a microphone. I bought a headset. And here I am. And you're, and you're good. Yeah. 60 episodes later. I've, yeah. yeah, I mean, I've, I, I didn't have any training in it. You know, I just get yeah. on there and do it. And... it it's, it's, it's attitude. Uh, you know, I mean, I honestly, I, ne- I don't think now and then will ever come back, but something's going to get me at some point in my life. Something's going to get me. And uh, I can only live each day uh, the best I can and the happiest I can. Yeah. And, you know, one day at a time. Work, yeah. Doing my work is fulfilling and adds and a lot to that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Kevin, I want to thank you so much for being on the podcast. Uh, the work you are doing is is very much needed. And it's great to meet somebody like you that is so authentic and honest. And I wish you nothing but good fortune going forward uh, with your coaching work and your musical endeavors. Uh, for people out there, uh, comments and suggestions, you can email me at it's a wrap with rap at gmail.com. We have a Facebook page and group, and the group's growing very nicely. I think we're over 1,200 uh, it's a wrap with rap. We're on Instagram. That's growing very rapidly. It's a wrap with rap podcast. And we're on YouTube. All the episodes uh, are on YouTube. It's a wrap with rap, the podcast uncut. So I want to thank everyone for listening. Please stay safe out there. And for now.
It's a wrap. 